How many are glad they're in church this morning? Amen. I don't care. We locked the door. You're in here anyway. Praise the Lord. Amen. I got a message to share with you this morning. It's Sunday morning, isn't it? So that's what I usually do. Praise the Lord. But uh, God's been talking to you this week. I want to share some things. We got the, get the idea sometimes that we go through life and, and basically um, it's whatever we decide, it's however things turn out or whatever, but we seldom realize, uh, at least I, I have to stop and think every once in a while, we seldom realize that God has equipped us to do what we're doing. In other words, he's equipped us. Did it ever occur to anybody that we're still here for a reason? Amen. I mean, why not get born again? God whisks us out of here. We have our own little personal rapture, and we go to be with the Lord. Isn't that the safest? I mean, we don't get an opportunity to backslide. We don't get an opportunity to... And it would just be so much simpler if we could just be whisked out into heaven. But he didn't. What he did, he left us right here. Because seeing God, he doesn't see... With his equipping, he doesn't see failure. Amen. He sees victory. Yes. Amen? And when we remain in him, we don't see failure. We see victory. And even the things that we think should have turned out different or better, we know that God sees to it that all things are, are to our good. Amen. He turns things around. He turns situations around. So anyway, I, I was kind of thinking about this this week, but I, I want to talk about the word equipping or, or, or equipment, what it says in the scriptures. And then I want to talk about one man in the Bible that you may or may not be familiar with. I'm going to share, share with in the Old Testament. I'm going to share some things this morning. So if you got your Bible this morning, turn to, let's do our first scripture. It'll be Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 20. It says this. Now, if I, if I said, what's a benediction, would you, have an, would you have an idea what a benediction is? And would that idea be like mine used to be, like, okay, the benediction is at the end of a service. And so basically it's the prayer that the preacher prays before you all let you go home. Okay, well, I'm going to do my benediction here this morning and first. But I've got news for you. The word benediction doesn't mean dismissal. <laughs> the word benediction means blessing. So I figured this way, y'all come in and, 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 and if, if, if you're from Key West, you probably need a blessing daily. No, I'll take that back. You need a blessing every hour. <laughs> how, many, how many count their blessings by the hour? <laughs> yeah, that's us. Praise the Lord. Anyway, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20 says, Now, the God of peace who brought up from the dead the great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant, even Jesus our Lord. And verse 21 says, equip you in every good thing to do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Christ Jesus, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Now there's the amen. That would be at the end of what Paul was uh, talking about as far as a prayer uh, for the Hebrew people. But he uses this word equip. And now if you have a, a, a different translation than what I'm using, that, that's the New American Standard. If you have a different translation, it may already say complete. Okay, uh, let me show you. That's what it actually means, is complete. It also means to repair. It also means to adjust. How many parents are here this morning? They always, they talk to their, maybe their older sibling or, or older ch child and says, uh, you, need a, you need an adjustment. What do you usually mean by that? You need an attitude adjustment. How many's ever told their children, oh, Lord, help us, <laughs> they need an attitude adjustment? Yeah, the hands go up all over the place, yeah. Uh, Rebecca, I think your dad just did the same thing. He put, he put both of them, he's trying to get both feet up in the air at the same time. We need an adjustment, praise the Lord. But the word equipping is an adjustment. In other words, it's an adjustment in our thinking, it's an adjustment in what God wants to, to, to turn around for us. I mean, you know, the things aren't going to work in the kingdom until we work them the way God has intended them to work. Amen? Praise the Lord. Uh, people ask me, often ask me sometimes, well, you pray, Pastor, for miracles, and you still pray for, you still believe God does miracles. Absolutely. Matter of fact, Jesus gave us a mandate. He gave us an assignment. And he said, lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. He said, go out. He said, remember, he, he loosed his disciples to go out and lay hands, and sick people recovered. And the fact is, he says, he, he didn't make that as a suggestion. He made it as a mandate. It was a mandate of what the church was supposed to do as part of the commission. Make disciples, call forth miracles. Amen. 
man does not have the right to undo the assignment that Christ has put in, regardless whether you're good at it or not, whether you think you see what you need to see or not. God doesn't have to run by your approval or mine, for that matter. Praise the Lord. So we do things because God has told us to do those things, and I will continue to do that, and I will continue to pray. So, well, not everybody always gets their miracle, Pastor. I said, well, uh, those that don't, line them up. And I bet you I can double the number for those I've seen get their miracle. So which one do you want to be? I can't explain why something happens. when All I know is this, God's word is right, and God always shows up. And the problem is on, on his end, it's on our end, almost all the time. Don't know why. Can't explain it. I don't put it. I don't try to make a doctrine out of it like some preachers want to do. They want to be well. Sometimes he does something. No, I think all the time he does. I think sometimes it's received and sometimes it isn't in such a way. But we don't know all the circumstances. It was on a person's heart, and we don't know those things. But our assignment is not to question God. Our assignment is to go forth and and and, and, and to do what He said to do. Amen. He also said to make disciples. Isn't that amazing? Jesus said, "Go for His disciples to go out and make more disciples." A disciple is a student or a learned one. When we stop learning, do we stop being disciples? I think we do. How can we take something that we, if we if we set it aside and we're no longer doing that, then how can we claim that we're that? Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. How many know I'm a preacher this morning, but if I take up brain surgery, any volunteers? No, okay. Praise the Lord. <laughs> if I'm a brain surgeon, I'm not a preacher. I could preach while I'm doing brain surgery, but the fact is that the occupations have changed. Maybe I need a better example than that. Anyway, praise the Lord. But uh, he says to equip. God has given us, he said, Paul says this in his prayer, he's given us the equipment. Listen to this in Ephesians chapter 4. This is a scripture everybody should know in this church. Praise the Lord. Verse 11. And he himself gave. Who's it talking about? Jesus. He himself is Jesus. So let's say this. Jesus gave. This is what he gave. Some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the equipping. Now I'm reading out the New King James. The equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, no longer being tossed to, uh, no longer, uh, for the edifying of the body, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of God. Uh, we're not being tossed to and fro. We're coming into the knowledge of Christ and coming into that, to a perfect man, measure and statue in the fullness of Christ. How does that happen? It happens through the equipping that God has provided. Forget the titles for, for just a minute, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. Uh, that, that's a whole other uh, discussion we could have another time. But the fact is, God gave us gifts. Himself, Jesus, gave us gifts so we can be equipped to do what? The work of the ministry. Where does the work in the ministry come in line of our priorities today? Because the work of the ministries is what He's equipping us for. In the work of the ministry, is there healings? Yes. In the work of the miracle, in the ministry, is there prosperity? Absolutely. Amen. And by the way, I think we need to redefine the word prosperity, because what happens is that word has been misused and used by a lot of different preachers. But let me give you a definition for prosperity. More than I need. It gives me more than enough. Is God not a God who's more than enough? Okay, more than enough. That's the word of prosperity. doesn't matter how much. It's not about collecting things. Praise the Lord. How, can, how many know you can prosper in your soul, the Bible says? There's a soul prosperity. More of God in there than you had before. Amen. Amen. Now, how do you, well, let me, I'll share some of this. I'm going to get to, I'm going to preach the end before I get to the beginning. Praise the Lord. <laughs> anyway, anyway, so we're edifying a body of Christ. God has given us this equipment. What are we doing with it? That's for every individual answer. What are we doing with it? Because if he has given it to us, if Jesus gave us these things, whether you like it or not, the fact is he gave them to us for our benefit. How many know Christ is looking for our benefit? So when he gave us apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastors, and teacher, we call that the five-fold ministry. Uh, I'm one in the five in there someplace. I've noticed this over the years. I've noticed that, that he's used me sometimes as an apostle. Uh, he's used me as a pastor. Uh, he used me evangelism, uh, you know, within souls of evangelism. There's certain gifts and stuff, certain, uh, not really gifts, and anointings is what he places on you for the, what he needs. In this church, smaller church and stuff like Key West, I mean, you need the whole five-fold ministry. He's going to have to dump it on just different aspects of the same, same guy sometimes, praise the Lord. But with that said, what's it for? The equipping. This is what we ought to understand. Who does the work of the ministry? The saints. 
Amen? We're all saints. Praise the Lord. So we're doing it for the work of the ministry. But we need God's equipping because it's a task that we need the supernatural to intervene with. It's not a normal job that we go to. It's not something that we learn and acquire. It's something that God wants us to be uh, aware of in the seas- different seasons so we can be available to help other people. When I tell our prayer warriors in Harper and Bowl meetings, I told them, I says, you know, we're not, prayer is not a burden. Don't come to this church and say, oh, I'm, I got a prayer burden. No, you don't. You got a conscious burden. What a prayer is, prayer is, 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 is an honor. It's an honorable thing to be able to pray. God has called you and used, wants to use you in a solution for somebody else's problems. That's an honor. So it must be handled and done in such a way that we're inviting the Holy Spirit to come in to lead us and guide us in things that we don't know. So there's a time to put down the religion, put down the the, the beads or whatever you want to do, and come and go for the Lord and get into his presence and come from that um, environment instead of the religious environment uh, uh, to where it's just rubber stamped, everything is just rubber stamped. Praise the Lord. I love following guys. Great. I've been around the world in different, different countries uh, because of God's leading. I want to talk to you about a man this morning uh, that some, I don't, I don't ever see him as a topic of anybody's sermon, so I'll, I'll just pop him up there this morning. <laughs> but the man in the, in, in, the, in the Old Testament, if you turn into Exodus chapter 31, you'll talk, this man is, is mentioned by name. Uh, be, be as, I'll get it right yet. I have a problem with Hebrew names. You just ask my brother-in-law who's in Israeli. Anyway, for, I have a problem. But it was, it was, uh, Bezal, Beziel, there I got it. Beziel, that's the best I'm going to say. If you know Hebrew and I didn't pronounce it right, tough. As far as I'm concerned, it's Beziel. <laughs> I've no, known Beziel now for, uh, you know, so anyway, pr- praise the Lord. And what it says this, it says in verse, uh, chapter 2, Exodus 31, it says, See, I have called by name Beziel, son of uh, Uri, son of Hur, tribe of Judah. Now that gives him his background, it tells you his connections. This is Moses speaking this, by the way, or God speaking to Moses. So God is telling this to Moses. In verse 3 he says, I have filled him, listen to this, I have filled him with the Spirit of God. Wait a minute, I thought the baptism of the Holy Spirit happened in Acts chapter 2. That's thousands of years later. But here's this guy, listen what God says. He says, I filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom, in understanding, in knowledge, in all matter of workmanship. Is there anything in there anybody could use this morning? In the spirit of wisdom, understanding, in knowledge, in all matter of workmanship. He's filled with the Spirit. This is our first account, really, of where this is stated, where a man is filled with God's Spirit in the Old Testament. Can I suggest to you this morning that being filled with the Spirit means in wisdom, understanding, knowledge, and all manner of workmanship. Those are included. What was added later on under the book of Acts was power. But this was the format that God had said even in the Old Testament. Now what was this guy's job? Most important, what did he do? I mean, who is this guy? We never heard of him before. I mean, he's not mentioned that many. Well, there is uh, two uh, Bezels in the Bible. One's in Ezra. This, this is a different one, but the one here in Exodus. He says, I have filled him with the Spirit of God. We already said that. And listen to this. Okay, let me mention it again. In wisdom, understanding, and knowledge, in all matter of workmanship, listen to this, to design artistic works to work in gold, silver, in bronze, in cutting of jewels, in setting and carving wood, and work in all matters of workmanship. This one guy was responsible for, because he was baptized or, or filled with the Spirit of God, to be able to carry out the most sacred thing, and that was to build the tabernacle. Not only build the tabernacle, but build all the furnishings in that. He even designed the breastplate for the priests and their garments. How many know that covers more than just a, a craft in gold and silver and carpentry? Amen? But he had all these things from the Spirit of God. It doesn't say that he had these things. We know he didn't have these things, uh, basically, because he was a slave in Egypt with the rest of the nation. So he didn't have this as far as natural gifts and talents. Nobody ran him through a vocation to where he learned all these skills and crafts. God put this in his spirit. 
Can I suggest to you this morning that because of the Spirit of God in us, that we too have access to wisdom, understanding, knowledge, and all matter of workmanship? I suggest you this morning, but because of the infilling of the Holy Spirit, that it can bleed over into our workmanship. Amen? The Bible tells us when we work for an employer or work for whatever, doesn't, the, the guy can be, or, or whatever, it could be a complete jerk. But what you're doing, what your work is for is not for that person. You're working for the Lord if you're a Christian. I used to do the same job regardless of who my employer was. I was a, a union electrician years ago. And it was, that was my trade and my craft. And I'd go from job to job. You too, huh? Praise the Lord. Amen. Uh, IBEW? Local? Really? Praise the Lord. Sorry. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> well, I was 806 out of Ellenville, New York, and later on Flint, Michigan. Praise the Lord. But, but, the, but that's, this is what it is. It was a craftsman. And, and I didn't do, when I became a Christian, I didn't do a good job at what I did because they required it from me or gave me any more money, which they didn't, by the way. <laughs> but the fact is, is because I all of a sudden realized what I'm doing. This is a skill. This is a craft that God has given me. Ah, I went to apprenticeship school. I know I knew all the ins and outs, and I know other guys that did too. I know other guys that would do the same job as I did, had the same schooling I did, and they were terrible. Amen? But God was giving me special insight and skills. One, uh, just a, a quick story. Uh, I was working on a service truck. When I came to Florida, I was working for a guy, and I, had a, I was doing a lot of troubleshooting problems and different things, mostly uh, in, uh, industrial or commercial. And I was, I was saying, and one night I went to bed, I just prayed about it. I said, Lord, I cannot figure out this problem. I can't figure out what the thing is. Without tearing all the walls apart and tearing everything down and starting from scratch, what, what is the problem? I had a dream that I went to sleep. I had a dream that night. Woke up and I, I went to, to work and I told my boss, I says, I found the problem going over there now to fix it. I know exactly where it's at. I know what section of the wall uh, that needs to be uh, uh, cut out to get in there to access to fix the problem, not the whole wall. And I says, because I got a dream last night and I know where that problem is, I want overtime. Well, he didn't agree with the overtime. Just go over there and fix it. <laughs> I told my apprentice, I says, right here. I looked at the wall. I saw this in the dream right there. And when he opened up the wall, sure enough, there was a problem right there behind it. Because God had filled me with a spirit, I had quality in my workmanship. Amen. It also bleeds. See, we, we go to church and we think, well, the filling of the spirit is just, well, I can speak in tongues. Big deal. Big deal. Is that really sign of the filling. That is one of the signs. I'll agree with that because everybody that was did. I'll agree that was part of the, part of the sign, but is that all there was to it? Or is there more? Is there more to it than that? This in the Old Testament gives us the foundation of what was said. Amen? Beazel, I'm put, putting my anointing upon him because he's anointing upon him. He says he's in all wisdom, understanding, knowledge, and all matter of workmanship. So that means when they bring out the Ark of the Covenant, the Ark of the Covenant was built and designed by Beazel. Why? Because the Spirit of God in him told him what it's supposed to look like. How many's ever seen it with the wings go forward like this on the two angels? You get the mercy seat here. Well, who told them to put the wings that way? What the wings, how come they'll go this way? Why they got to go this way? Because the Spirit of the Lord spoke into him, told him this is how we want it, and this is how it's going to be. There's more to the infilling of the Spirit than what the church is even tapping into. Are you kidding me? Wisdom? How many here could use wisdom? And when I said that, how can they could use wisdom just for their own life? How about wisdom to teach somebody else so somebody else don't have to go through the same problem you did? Amen. How many have experience? How many have knowledge? Which gives you wisdom? Knowledge or experience? No, it's your question. Well, you got the knowledge before you get the experience. Is that what it is? Maybe, maybe not. 
I started out lots of things I had no knowledge of. <laughs> but I got lots of experience. <laughs> and God would draw off of those things with the experience before he drew off the knowledge. Knowledge is something I can gain. I can read a book, and if I read the whole book, I know exactly what the guy wrote the book. I know, I know as much as he knows by reading the book. But do I have the wisdom to apply the knowledge that he's given me? I'll go over this morning because some of you look at me like a dog with a new pan. But the fact is, 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 is the, the infilling of the Spirit means more than just speaking in tongues, coming to church and doing our churchly things in worship, going back out to the world, not taking anything that we've learned in the church and go back out in the world and try to make a living out of this tough old place here. Thank God if your one is working. We have a lot of them that just, they just given up. I don't know how you do that and, and still keep on eating. <laughs> my generation was different don't work you don't eat just like Paul, Paul said you know man don't work he doesn't eat that's about, about it but, so there's a different in other words God wants to take with the filling of his spirit he wants to capsulize our entire life he wants to give us success in every area that we're looking at amen, amen? we can gain the knowledge okay come on how many Kids, you know, graduate college and are still idiots. I didn't mention any names. I'm not slandering, but how many know? All right, praise the Lord. I guess the knowledge thing didn't work out for them. Because <laughs> they went to school four years and still don't have any. <laughs> praise the Lord. Amen. So this is what he's saying. Amen. The word, Hebrews names have meanings. Beaziel means in the shadow of God or in God's protection. So when God took Beaziel, he put his spirit on him. When he put his spirit on him, whether he had these skills or not, was never asked to Beaziel. God didn't have a conversation with him and say, well, you think you can do this. If you think you can do this, well, then I'll go ahead and anoint you so you can do it. Never saw it, said it at all. God never asked me before I was preaching. You think you can do this? No. <laughs> do you think you'd go to Key West and, and start a church? No. <laughs> that would have been my answer because based on my knowledge of those things and knowledge of Key West and knowledge of what I can do, cannot do, it, 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 was, it undermined the things God, it could have undermined the things that God wanted me to do. But instead he says, no, he said, I'm going to fill you with my spirit. How do you tell when you're filled with the spirit? How, do you, how can you tell when you're full? How many know people are just full of it? No, I just, <laughs> but how do you tell you're full? Here's a good way to tell when God has filled you up with something, you're overflowing. More than enough, more than what you need. Overflowing with the Spirit, you're overflowing with God's, with God's presence. You're overflowing with the Spirit. Insomuch that the overflow is getting onto somebody else, and you're helping somebody else change and transform their life. We know when we become disciples of Christ, we know when we become disciples that we can go ahead and we're affecting somebody else's life. Until that point to where we affect somebody else's life, we just have the blessing for ourselves. It really doesn't say a whole lot. God's going to give you a blessing anyway just for being His. But if we really want to follow Christ, follow His example, then we want to be a blessing to somebody else. Are you hearing me this morning? Praise the Lord. Amen? So He was... Bezalel was called, endowed by God to direct the construction of the tabernacle. Everything in it, the priest's garment, like I said it before. There's a big difference between the carpentry work that was involved in making the Ark of the Covenant and the gold work, which is, a, is another silversmith, or goldsmith, was another craft. <clears throat> so what God had put in this man, when he put his spirit in it, he put all these skills. Now, he didn't do it alone. He had other workers, but he was the one responsible. Even Moses wasn't responsible for these things, that he was responsible for leading the people. Can you see how Beaziel and Moses together caused the, uh, God's movement to come across and begin to build an impression or begin to build a model of God's kingdom on the earth that sustained the Israel? Just those two guys put together because God's spirit. Moses had the, had the leading and the direction. And what God does, he puts people together. And this is what church is all about. Church isn't all about the preacher well, saying this, and you sitting there listening and going, and going back out in the world and, and, and try to cut, cut it through. No, that's not what it is. It's us coming together in agreement with one another, helping one another as a family. 
I believe the best acronym is for, for church is family, not organization. Not corporation, certainly. Amen, but, but, but family. All right, praise the Lord. Isn't it amazing that this ongoing thing of the Holy Spirit, this is the equipping of God. So now it's not just about prayer. It's not just about praying in tongues. It's not just about things we're supposed to do, uh, uh, that God has called us to do. Now it becomes something else. Do you realize that what the church has done in a lot of areas, not all churches, but what church has done, it has taken the, uh, the infilling of the Holy Spirit and it's made it an event. To where you, if you have ever had this event happen to you, like salvation. How many know salvation? Well, when did you give your heart to the Lord? Well, the first time I recognized the Lord for me was about uh, February 29th, 1976. Before some of you were born. I know, I'm old. Got it. Praise the Lord. But that was an event, but that wasn't my salvation. Salvation is continually being walked out and poured out by God as we grow on and on and on. How many, know, how, how many know what backsliding means? Backsliding is when you took those things and all of a sudden you turned your back on the Lord and you went back into the world for whatever temptation or whatever situation it is. We've all experienced that. The difference is, are you going to stick there? Or are you going to keep on going forward? Amen? You would be a backslider or a, a backslider or a front jumper. <laughs> but the fact, so what happens? I notice, I look into the scriptures, we commonly look at the Holy Spirit and filling is that one event in Acts chapter 2 and verse 4. And it says they are all in one place in one accord. Does that what it says? One place in one accord. That should give us a clue to something. If you want to get in on what God has poured out, you've got to get with people who believe that it's being poured out. If you don't, you won't. They were in one place in one accord. That means they were in agreement. It said when they were in one place in one accord, then the Holy Spirit came. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, begin to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So even the utterance came from the Spirit. So that's it, right? Settled. But there's this one time in John chapter 20 when Peter and the disciples were there and Jesus said this, he said, and when he, talk about Jesus, uh, verse 22, and when he had said this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. That's kind of odd, because that was before Pentecost. Jesus was still here on the earth. And he breathed on him and said, go ahead, receive the Holy Spirit. Hmm. This wasn't the first time those guys received the Holy Spirit. I got one better. There's another time, same people that were in the upper room, same people. Acts chapter 4, verse 31, and they went and prayed, and the place where they were assembled was shaken, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. That's the same ones that were at the day of Pentecost. Some of them were the same disciples that Jesus breathed on. Do you see a pattern or progression here? We want to looking for a one-time event just get me saved. I want fire insurance. I don't want to go to hell. And that's it. I'm good. How many of you ever invited somebody to church? Hey, you need to come to church. I'm good. You're anything but good if you're avoiding church. Amen. You're anything but. Because in this town, I don't know about some places, but I know this town will eat you alive because of the principalities and the powers and strongholds in this place. I'm just being honest. So we don't need the Holy Spirit baptism where somebody prayed for us. We need that too. But I mean, that's not where it stops. It continues on from there so I can walk in this life and walk in the victory. To walk in the victory, I need to come here and be with you people so you can pray for me, I can pray for you. Now we have the agreement of coming together. That is what the devil is trying to sever in this day and hour. That's what he's trying to keep people from. He doesn't want that because now we become, when we get together, you know what happens when Christians get together and they get all this Holy Ghost stuff going on. You know how it gets. They start getting healed. They start getting saved. Then they start influencing other people, looking at it from the enemy's perspective. They become what we, oh, what the Bible called that? Oh, yeah, an army of God. Not just a sewing circle or, knit, or, or, or old ladies knitting club. Praise the Lord. All right. I'm preaching better than I'm getting response to this morning, but I don't care. <laughs> the 
the spirit of wisdom and revelation that God is pouring out that part of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not to make us smarter, but to make us be aware more of unseen realities. Unseen realities. This makes us to be more aware. So we come together. Amen? Praise the Lord. When we come together, we pray. We might need prayer this morning. I pray over you. So, okay, okay, is it you're receiving prayer? You just want to see what's going to happen? I'm going to hold back. I'm going to be reserved until I see something happen. Or are you going to be the sing-o baron and begin to rejoice before it happens? Praise the Lord. Because if I can do that, then my faith goes forward and not my apprehensions. My faith goes forward and not my doubts pulling me back down into the hole that God's trying to get me out of. Amen? Praise the Lord. Amen. Presence of God, I'll say this, and I'll say this the day I die, presence of God wins out over principles. Go ahead and learn all the principles you want. It's still a presence of God. It will make all the difference in the world. It's that empowerment. Wisdom will come when the empowerment of God is in our life. We'll get wisdom that we need to to carry out. Amen? Praise the Lord. How many times, I can't even think about how many times that I've wanted to do something, I went in that direction, all of a sudden there was something pulling me back. And I could say, well, that's just the devil trying to stop me. Or I can sit and listen to that voice and say, hmm, this isn't the season for it. I had the word right, but the wrong season. I think I'll sit on this for a while. Now, that's not for salvation. Any season for salvation, so don't, don't use my excuse. Praise the Lord. Amen. But the fact that this is what it is. I was studying. I don't know if you, uh, I was sharing last night. I shared last night, uh, I'm sharing my leadership. Um, it's, it's interesting because the time we live in, is, it's really obvious the time that we're coming into and the time that we're living in. But um, how many has ever heard of a red heifer that's needed for sacrifice? It's in the book of Exodus, uh, and Moses was talking about a red heifer. And uh, the red heifer was, was is, is interesting. The red heifer is, matter of fact, just past Thursday, five of them were bred, had to be perfect, without no more than two different hairs of any of the whole cow. Okay, they, and they... Some Texas ranchers got together <laughs> and they produced the red heifer that Israel's been wanting for years and years and years to try to reproduce. And it's used to make for the sacrifices in a temple. No, no secret, the Orthodox Jews have been planning for years to build a third temple. First temple being Solomon's, the second temple being Herod's, which was destroyed in 70 AD by the Romans, and the third temple raising up. The only thing in this church, we, we, we and, and many of the Messianics believe in, in Daniel chapter 9 and what's going to happen when it happens. When the temple is rebuilt, they are going to rebuild the third temple, how it's going to transpire. All the articles are needed. This red heifer was the last thing they needed for a sacrifice. And what the red heifer does, the red heifer uh, sanctifies them. It's a sin offering, but it sanctifies them an entire nation, okay, from uh, the sin of coming in contact or close proximity of a dead body. Wartime, whatever, you know, fire rescue, whatever they do. So basically this is what this red heifer is. And the, so the Texans ship five of them to Israel. The Orthodox believe, the Orthodox rabbis believe that the tenth one ever sacrificed, that the tenth one will be when the Messiah actually sacrifices the, the Messiah. But if you know, if you're as a Christianity, we know that when the temple is rebuilt, it's going to set the stage for the Antichrist and it's going to start the seven-year tribulation. But that happens. Well, Israel's got all the, they got all the things together. They got the red heifer now. Now they have the DNA. They can go ahead and reproduce these red heifers that they that were been extinct or they that were, were unheard of for years because they have to be a certain kind, perfect. They have to be a certain age, so they have to be able to reproduce them. Everything but the land that it sits on when that happens, amen. So we can look up and rejoice. This is the hour. So I, I get this. So this is the hour that we live in. Uh, but what we need to be aware of. And studying this about the red heifer, because I was interested in it, it's always just an interesting, I take one of these, um, you know, study vacations, I just go ahead and, just information I like, probably never going to preach on it, but just, just information I like to, to ex- examine. And I noticed this in the book of Leviticus, and this did speak out to me, in Leviticus chapter 8, verse 23. And Moses killed it, when he said killed it, he killed the red heifer. This is what he's talking about, this is how I found the scripture. 
And he killed it. And he took some of the blood and put it on the tip of Aaron's right ear. Okay? He took some of the blood and put it on Aaron's right thumb. He took some of the blood and he put it on Aaron's right toe. Why? Notice the appendages all from the right side. What is that? Well, here's my take on a thing. This is much I know. When they brought Manasseh and Ephraim to Jacob to be blessed, two of Joseph's grandsons, Manasseh being the older, they give Jacob did this. He did a cross-handed blessing, which put the right hand on Ephraim, made him the stronger. And they were a warlike tribe. I mean, they, they, were, they were protectors of Israel for a long time. The, when Jesus went to heaven, he sat at the right hand of the Father. Why? That's the side of authority and power. So what was he doing? What was this about? I believe the, the mercy seat, of course, they would take the same blood and dip it seven times on the mercy seat. The mercy seat is a type, if you see the tomb of Christ when he was laid in the tomb, that became the mercy seat with the angel standing at the end. Remember the two archangels like this over the, over the Ark of the Covenant? That became the mercy seat. Jesus paid the blood seven times when they kept dipping seven times and put it on the mercy seat. They were demonstrating God was giving them a, a visual of what was going to happen and what the Messiah looked like and how he was going to come and die, which was Jesus. Okay, but now what's with the priest and the blood here? Blood is sanctified. Blood is covenant. Blood, blood means, uh, uh, Levit another scripture in Leviticus says the, the, uh, the life is in the blood. So blood means life, but it also means giving up a life, life for life. Uh, that's, that's blood covenant. So he's doing this. Why the ear? Because God is sanctifying. He wants you sanctified what you hear. Amen. And what you're applying your heart and mind to comes through your ear. The thumb, well, what's the thumb got to do? You put the blood on the right thumb, sanctifying the right thumb. Again, all on the right side, the part of strength. The thumb, why? That's the thumb that puts his hand to the work of the ministry. Amen? Amen. That's the hand that puts the work. In. Okay, what about the toe? What's the blood on the toe? That's the feet that are carrying the gospel forth and sharing the good news. Amen. So they've had this sign, these symbols for thousands of years through there. Many of them don't even know what they mean. But we know through Christ and through what he's, what he's, what he's poured out. But by looking in light of other scriptures, this is what we see. Our responsibility as a Christian is to be the church that Jesus is coming back for. Now I'm not talking about covenant word church. I'm talking about corporately around the world. And what church is he coming back for? He's coming back for a particular church. It has particular characteristics. What's, he, what's those characteristics? It says in Ephesians chapter 5, it says that he's coming back for a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. What's a church look like without spot or wrinkle? It looks like a church without certain people. Spots and wrinkles are people. Amen? But, and I'm not judging, by the way, more than murder. Come on in. Bring your spots and wrinkles with you. We'll get them ironed out. And I got some shout. We'll just shout out there. <laughs> no. Pun, yeah, pun intended. Oh, praise the Lord. Amen. And we'll shout out the spots. But Jesus come back for a glorious church. What does a glorious church look like? A glorious church that has a mind and heart towards him. A, a glorious church is a church that recognizes him, not just for myself, but for him in, the, in, in a bigger picture that he's put me here for. When, Jesus, when, when the Lord first spoke to me about coming to Key West 32 years ago, I kicked against that like you would not believe. Matter of fact, I'm ashamed to admit it now, but there was actually a time where I came to Key West, people would gather in our church and they'd keep on coming, and it was almost a time where I thought they would, I would just pray that they would stay home so this thing can fail so I can go on and go, go someplace. I had a house a block off of A1A up in uh, Deerfield Beach. I live by the ocean. I'm a scuba diver. I, 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 I enjoy it. Amen? What do I need this stinking little rotten little island here for? That's what the time I thought there. Little did I know, this word God says, no, he says, you're not going to be here just for a season. You're going to be here to homestead. And here I am. <laughs> Why? Because it's not important to me. It's important to him. It's becoming more important to me as it's important to him. God has something to do with Key West. I don't know what he has, what this island speaks to him at. But here we stand. Every time this church has gone through over the 32 years, every time it looked like it was going to fail, stumble, or fall, God has supernaturally came in and did a miracle to sustain, to sustain this thing. Amen. 
The pandemic, I thought that was, that was the most recent one. I thought that was done. We're, we're all done. Man, we're still trying to get people to come back to church. Hallelujah. Amen. And it seemed like it gave most people an excuse to stay away from the time that they had with the Lord. But anyway, here we are. And do you know that, that through that pandemic, that everything went down? I mean, down number, or Lighthouse Christian County. But do you know that God came in and he's, he's upheld that thing to this time? And we're doing fine financially. We all know man nothing. We don't have any bills. We don't have any debts. Amen? The Bible says, oh, no man, nothing but love. So that's it. So, but God had, to, God had to straighten out my mind. Not testify about me, because you get angry after testify about you. But I testify about me. But God had to do something with my way of thinking. I had to change my way of thinking. Amen? Amen. God had to teach me about what a church success really is. It's not how many people you can gather, how many things you can buy, and how many things you can own. Real success, what God showed me, is do I obey the will of the Father? That's success. And I have to do that at any cost, at any cost, to do what the Father has said. I thank God I've got a wife of 51 years who's backed me in this. As a matter of fact, she's encouraged me a lot in, in the stuff that we do. Amen. Praise the Lord. 51 years. I know I don't look that old. <laughs> I'm not. She is. Not but praise <laughs> <me>. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I've I got to eat lunch today. I don't praise the Lord. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I want to preach, preach on some of this out of my heart this morning. Do you know God did something in, his, in, in Exodus, and he continued it through the promised land? I, I, got, I had to laugh at this. He sent hornets to get rid of the enemy. If you want to look up and study it, I, I, Exodus 23, verse 28, I will send hornets before you, and shall drive out the Hivites, the Canaanites, and the Hittites from before you. Hornets. Why hornets? Why not just empower Israel to be able to war against these warring tribes? Well, he did that too. But he said, if I send hornets, he says, gradually, little bit by little bit, I'll drive the enemy so they don't leave the land barren. <laughs> this is our God. I'm going to create hornets that'll sting the enemy, but won't sting you. Does anybody know anything about bees? My wife and I, we have two beehives in our, in our yard, and I've, I've, cap, I've captured, I've been stung so many times by honeybees. That's honeybees. Hey, hornets. Hornets are wasps. They're terrible, you know? Honeybees, they're just defending their territory, but I mean, the wasps, they attack. If you even walk by there, they're, they're, they're just, they come in and they start attacking. But can you imagine God even used that? Why? So they wouldn't have to raise sword, there was no bloodshed, and the enemy just kind of moved out. It made it so uncomfortable for the enemy, they couldn't live. I kind of look at this way. I say, you know, every time we praise, God loose the hornets. <laughs> you know, spiritually speaking, the demonic is being plagued and stung by hornets that God has sent. And they're just moving away. <laughs> Unbeknownst to me, I'm just sitting and praising the Lord. And I just see all these demonic pressures and powers of darkness just kind of leaving like they're being stung by hornets. I, that has nothing to do with my message. I just thought it was cool. I just threw it in a noise charge. Praise the Lord. Here's what we got to remember. Let's get back to the power of God and the filling of the Spirit. I want to, I want to kind of close with this. Psalm 78, write it down, 41, 42. Psalm 78, 41, 42. 41 and 42. It says this, yes, and again, and again, they tempted the God but limited the, and limited the Holy One of Israel they did not remember. Listen, here's how they tempted God. They did not remember his power. The day when he redeemed them from the enemy, they did not remember. When we forget what God has done for us, we limit his effect upon us. Can I say it again? When we forget all the past victories that God has given us, we limit his effect against our life that we need today. We limit his influence. We limit his, pur his purpose for us. We limit those things. We don't think of God as being limited, but he's limited. Not for everybody, for you. For you that have forgotten. Forget to remember. Not to remember is to forget. I forgot. If we forget the power. 
We've got to understand in the in filling of the Holy Spirit, this equipping that God does, there's a memory in that we have to remember what it's for. It is not so we can feel good. It's not so we can have a revival. Those little things are all good. There's nothing wrong with those things. It's not so we can go to church and speak powerful prayers and everybody likes our prayer or whatever. It's not, those are nice things, but that's not what it's about. We have to remember what God has done for us in years past and how he said, and remember that again so we can remove the limits off of God. Some people have tied his hands in certain areas because they refuse to move in a faith. What happens when we remember the power? We remember the power, we get a boost in our faith. And this is what pleases God. But if we cannot acknowledge him, if we cannot acknowledge what he's done, if we cannot acknowledge his anointing, then we limit to him. Now, limit isn't cutting out necessarily. You may, not limit. You, may, you may have the salvation of God, but, but maybe kind of living under a different power. Amen? Amen? You may have this and not have that. God wants you to have it all. Amen. Like uh, Beaziel. Beaziel could do it all. He could, do, he could work with fabric. He could work for gold. He could work with silver. He, could work, he had wisdom. He had, not, he had insight. He knew exactly what God wanted. He could design it just the way God wanted it to do. That's cool. Amen? Amen? So he remembered what God said here, and he would go over here. He remembered what God did here, and he could go on to the next thing. Can we remember what here, what God has done for us? We can move on from where we're at. Because now is a time and a season when God told Moses, now move the people forward. Enough is enough with a slave mentality. Move them forward. Your freedom is on the other side of the Red Sea. And I'll hold back the enemy. I'll put the enemy in such darkness, they won't know what you're going to do next. That's what happened, wasn't it? I shared up before doing praise and worship. Amen. Well, how many are blessed this morning? Amen. How many got something out of this message they can take and use? They can use next week. Praise the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. They limited the Holy One of Israel. I still, I still got to wrap my head around that by forgetting what He's done for them. Remember the, the in the wilderness, the muttering and the complaining and the murmuring and stuff like this. No, as they forgot when God made water gush out of a rock when they were thirsty. They forgot about that. Now they're just crying. Remember they said, we had it better back in Egypt. Are you kidding me? As slaves, you had it better in Egypt? You were beaten. You were, you, you were, food was kept from you. you. You were punished. And you had it better than serving God? This is, what, this is what they were saying. And because they forgot those things, they limited God in his ability, what he wanted to do. I don't know about you, but I want God to do everything that he has designed for my life. I don't want to limit him one way or another. So I will sing. Even if I feel I'm, I'm going through a, a season of barrenness, I will still sing. If I'm going through a problem, a depression, whatever, get me to the church, get me a praise and worship, get me in, in, in a harp and bowl, whatever it is, whatever it is. Harp and bowl meetings, uh, Skip and I have been uh, handing off. He's been doing some of the background of the keyboard, and I've been doing the guitar. Last night, Skip should have just sat down. <laughs> no, I had to work through something last night. There was something I needed to work through, and I knew to work through this thing called praise and worship to come. Let me pray. Let me pray for somebody else. Get my mind off of what my problems are. Pray for somebody else. Help some, somebody else. And guess what? This morning, I woke up with the strength that God had promised me. Amen? That we needed to go to continue to go on. So it's a day-to-day -day thing. Don't just think because you, you came to church this morning, you, woo-hoo, God's all, uh, dancing around the throne for you. No. He's, what he's saying, he's saying now, take the opportunity of coming together into the assembly where the presence of Jesus resides for the gathering in his name. Stand in that presence and, and, and begin to soak in what God wants to pour into your spirit. And when it's full and you think you can't hear or do any more, oh, God, it's just, I'm just filled. I'm just filled. It's like a Thanksgiving dinner. You know, I can't eat another thing. We got apple pie. Yeah, I'll have a piece. <laughs> <laughs> Liar. No, I just can't. <laughs> Amen. Well, I can't feel. What, what, we, we are filled with his presence, and that presence begins to overflow. That overflow is what we pray for other people. That overflow is what we give to other people. That overflow is what changes circumstances and power. Let's stand to our feet. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You get me talking about the presence of God, I'll go on to next Tuesday. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord.
I thank the Lord this morning for what he's given us. I thank the Rev for the revelation. I thank the Lord what he's been doing in Covenant Word Church over the past 32 years, for crying out loud, what he's done in this place. I, I can remember just right over here, a person was healed uh, that had a sickness and disease. I, I, I went over here, uh, uh, got set free. We went over the back there, was bummed out, had no money. God gave him a job when we prayed and believed for the prosperity. Amen? And, and, and business people, oh my goodness, there, 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 there. We had business people come in, all of a sudden ready to file bankruptcy. And we prayed for them, and all of a sudden they're back in business was on top of the world. All the, all the years I can think back of what we're doing. And some of the young people and stuff, they'd come here. Uh, uh, military people have been part of our church. And they, 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 they were on their way out. Some of them were ready to quit. Some of them to give up uh, the military. And we prayed for them, and they be, began to excel in their jobs and in their ranks. Yeah. Praise the Lord. A lot of times it meant them moving someplace else and losing them. But the fact is, this is what a seedbed church does. Amen. 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 We plant the seeds, and it grows wherever. But the fact is, is we, we pray to God. I can see it in my mind. I can see the things that God has done over here and over there. How many can testify of some of the things God has done for you right here? Amen. So we thank you, Father, in the name of Jesus. Let us never forget, we do not want to limit you any way, shape, or form in what you have for us. Now, I'm not talking about your salvation. You're fine, but the fact what I'm talking about is, is that it? Are you just looking for fire insurance from God, or are you looking for something more? How about the peace? Do you know what the world would give right now for your peace of mind that you have in Christ? Amen that he gives us every day. Amen? I'm telling you, we, we, we live as privileged people. We need to recognize that with the Lord and remember. Thank you, Jesus. We again, we stand for miracles. Need a miracle healing? Be done in the name of Jesus. After every service, when we close out the live stream, I'm here. I'll lay hands on you for any reason you want. Amen? Praise the Lord. So we pray and we just come in agreement. You have the whole church in agreement to lift you up. Amen? Why? Because we want to, we get excited when other people succeed. Amen. Amen. When you start to fail, we go to battle. Amen. <laughs> we we fight. Amen. Success may be something different that we see than you see, but the fact is, success to me is when we're called of God and we're fit, fit snugly into His purpose. That's success. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you. Bless these people. Now, here is the benediction. <laughs> May your hearts be... No, I'm not going to do that. No, 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 no. God deliver me from that spirit. But prayers love. But we will give you a blessing in the name of Jesus. You're blessed going in. You're blessed coming out. You're being made the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. Here's something that Paul told the church of Galatia. As Christian, he says, the blessings of Abraham have now come upon the Gentile. That's everybody. It's not a Jew. That's all of us. The blessings of Abraham. Notice that the curses, the blessings. Amen? There was both on Abraham's covenant, but he said that the blessings of Abraham fall upon the Gentile. Everything your hand touches prospers in the name of Jesus. From here going forth, we're going to be new people charging in success. Father, in Jesus' mighty name, in every area, in every area of craftsmanship and wisdom and knowledge and Beaziels, Beaziels, Beaziels. This you all, you're all Beaziels. <laughs> I can hear my brother-in-law now saying, "This Hebrew hurts my ears." Anyway, <laughs> praise the Lord. God bless you. Hallelujah. Anybody needs prayer this morning? Come on down. We'll pray for you.